Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. And uh, I believe I'm going to continue on in kind of in that that same thought and worship because I'm going to be speaking about Daniel today. Um, and uh, you know what's funny? Because like when you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in Daniel today, and everybody's like, oh, Daniel in the lion's den, you know? And almost diminishing. And isn't it funny how some things, maybe it's because we learned them when we were kids, you know, in these cute little stories about what God did, um, that somehow we diminish the power of, yeah, Daniel in the lion's den. And I'm not actually going to be speaking about that, but I'm just thinking about it now, like how, how much trust that he had in God, just as we were saying, trusting that he is real and alive and working and moving. And he was acting in such faith, saying that, I don't, what? Throw me in the lion's den. God will save me or he'll take me to be with him. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I trust my God more than anything else. My faith in who he is takes precedence over everything. Oh, man. I don't think you guys like that as much as I do. In Daniel 1, uh, you have Daniel and a handful of other guys, actually a bunch of of people that were taken captive. Um, And we're just going to start in Daniel 1.1. And it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And we need to think first for a minute about how they got to this point. And if you will, I'm not going to talk a lot about like where we are as a nation or a world right now, um, but really more so as a nation because I feel like we're the ones that need this word the most. But I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that, but I, 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 I feel some, some parallels in these stories because... God's people, his nation, had been taken captive by the enemy that was ruled by other gods. The prophets had warned them many, many, many times, had warned them, listen, you you are getting, you're getting weak, You're, you're getting lax, you're not trusting God, you're walking in your own ways and doing your own things and not living how God has wanted you to live and and asked you and commanded you to live, and this is not going to be good for you. 
but they didn't heed their voices and they continued to live in that way, the way that they wanted to. And in verse 2, it says that the Lord gave Jehoiakim over to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I don't know if you caught that or you thought much about that, maybe as you've read it before or as I said it just now, but the Lord gave Jehoiakim over. Because we know if God wanted to redeem his people and save his people and bring them right out of that moment. See, Nebuchadnezzar had gone on this rampage because he was upset at, at the Pharaoh or something like that. And, you know, he, he's upset and he's going and conquering, conquering, conquering these, these kingdoms. And Judah was one of them. So he's like, I'm going to take some of the great men. I'm going to take, take some, not all of. I mean, who knows if they hid some of it or maybe they came, you know, Judah, the people of Judah hid some of it. But it says he didn't take all of it, but he took what he could. And God allowed this to happen. And this is hard, I mean, for me even to think, but I think for a lot of us that, that God handed him over, allowed them to be taken captive. But when we think about that, we have to think about why would God do that? Why would he do that? And if I could just say in my own life, why would God allow bad or things that were very tough to happen to me? And in many times it was because I was trusting in myself and doing my own thing and not trusting him. So he said, okay, I will allow you to go through a time of suffering or a time of trouble to show you who you need to trust. Because when things are going well, you tend to not trust me. Have you guys ever heard this statement? Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. So I was thinking about that and I was like, you know what, can I take this and change this a little bit? Hard times create men and women who trust God. Men and women who trust God create good times. Good times create men and women who don't trust God. And then men and women who don't trust God create hard times. And that's what, that's what I see in, this, in these stories. In this story, this is what happened. Men and women that were fully trusting God and following Him and being led by Him and, and, and saying, God, you are a provider, you're our king, you're our savior, and God defeating armies, even without them needing to hardly do anything, created this place where they were doing good and having good times. 
which created a lack of trust and faith in their God. So you get to this point and you have Daniel, and it really just talks about a handful of his friends, but there were many that were taken captive. And the king wanted to take them and teach them. He's like, I'm going to take these young men, they're teenagers, and I'm going to teach them my ways and, and we're going to give them the best schooling. We, they picked already the wise and, and strong and good-looking men, and he's like, we're going to teach them our ways and, and about our culture and really trying to ingrain in them not what God had taught them, but what this new kingdom wanted to teach them. To become like them. And in Daniel 1, 6 and 7, it says, Now from among these, those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. <laughs> to Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. Now you're like, oh, I recognize those names now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I want to stay here for just a minute and look at these names because, because I, I... If you look at these names, let's just look at them for a minute. The chief of the eunuchs gave them new names because they brought them into to their country. And I don't know if they had to do that, if it was like the custom, the culture. I didn't read that far, actually study into the history of it yet. But, but they said, we're going to change your name. And, and what I see in this is what I looked at and I was like, well, what do these names mean? Because I know that in the Bible, names were given with, with great meaning. And my name is Joshua. And, and it has the meaning of God is salvation. And another meaning is messenger of truth. And, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if you've thought about it. This is getting down in the weeds a little bit. But the name given to you, do you like... I was thinking like, man, did God give my parents that name because, you know, because he knew what I was going to do? Or did I become and do what I was supposed to do because that name was given to me? I, I don't, I, I'm, I, yeah, my head's hurting right now. But anyway, it's just like this, this name, like I feel like my, my name is calling out who I am. Who I'm supposed to be. There's power in a name, right? Especially Jesus. But the name Daniel had the meaning of God is my judge. God is my judge. And that name was, they changed his name when he came. To Beltesrazar, meaning Bell's Prince, meaning 
prince of a God of, of this country. The name Hananiah meant beloved by the Lord. Beloved by the Lord. And it was changed to Shadrach, meaning illuminated by the sun god. Mishael meant who is as God? Who is like God? I love that name. You know, like, who is like God? And it was changed to Meshach. It says, which may mean, they're not for sure the meaning, but it says, which may mean, who is like Shaq? Now, I don't know what Shaq means, but it's, it's S-H-A-C-H, and it might be who is like this name Shaq, you know? But you can see, <laughs> you see already, the power being taken out of, that's what the enemy wants to do, yeah. to take the power out of who you are and what God is has spoken over you and who He calls you, right? He calls you by name. And the world wants to change your name to something that doesn't have power in it. To something that not what God has spoken over you, but what they are speaking over you. Azariah means the Lord is my help. was changed to Abednego, meaning servant of Nego, which is probably just servant of some person. So his name, the Lord is my help. He's my provider. He's, he's everything to me, to just a servant guy of this, this person. That's what they changed his name to. And I think of it, we're like, oh, that's so crazy. That's so crazy, but how many times do we accept the things that yeah. people are speaking over us? The names that they are giving us. Calling you whatever. Worthless. Call, call whatever name, saying these things about you and from any different direction. I don't know, it could be friends, it could be people on the street, it could be your coworkers or boss or whatever. But these people speaking these things over you, calling these things out over you. And we say, oh, oh that's crazy, I can't believe they changed their names like that. While we're all the while accepting these things that are being spoken over us. Like, whoa. What do we want to be called by? I, I want to be called by the name that God calls me by. Yeah. I want to be called by the words that He speaks over me. Yeah. 
that He says I am, that He says you are. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know, in this story, these guys didn't, didn't shun being given these names. They accepted them. Because they, they didn't want to, to upset or they still wanted good of the place, even that they were brought into of captivity. But we have to see that there was a line drawn. There's a place drawn in the sand that, that says, I will not cross. And I think this, this is really one of my main points today is, is that is there a line drawn in the sand in your life that will not be crossed? Because I believe that's what, that's what we need to ask ourselves. You can call me, you know, and it doesn't say, you know, the details of this, but, you know, Daniel writing this, he continues to call himself Daniel. He didn't say, I accept that new name. He writes it in there to tell the story, but he keeps his name. He says, you can call me that, but that's not who I am. But we come to this moment in Daniel 1.8, and it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart. But Daniel, so ooh, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So we have this moment. And what makes this different? He says, you know, you can call me Belteshazzar. I'm going to call myself Daniel, but you can continue to do that. And they said, okay, well, we want you guys to eat of the king's portion. We're going to give you the, what they actually wanted to give them the best of the best, right? It wasn't that they were trying to poison them. They wanted them to be strong. They wanted them to learn and grow. And so many times these Things that happen around us, they might not even be evil intent. But where is the line that we will not cross? Right? Because the king wanted to give him the best of the best to eat. But what had God told them? To not defile themselves with unclean meat. To not eat the way that everybody else did. And this was a command from God, and Daniel says, there's actually a line in the sand here. There's actually a place that I will not cross. So he asks and says, listen, can I not eat that? Because I, it will go against the commands of God. But he purposed... See, I, I think I, I need to focus on this word. He purposed in his heart. This isn't something that happens in the moment of decision. Right? We're like, yeah, whenever that happens, 
I will make the decision, the right decision. I won't choose the, the food that the king's given me. I won't choose to go that path that somebody's asking me to go, and I'm going to make a good decision then. No, the decision has to be made right now. There has to be a line in the sand that's drawn that you can see, this is the place that I don't cross. This is the place that I don't go. Right, and for, for Daniel and for us, it, it needs to be, what, how has God told us to live? What has he spoken to us about, about how we should act and how we should treat people, how we should live, what we should do, how we can, should conduct ourselves, who we should trust. See, I think too many times, me included, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, when I get there, I'm sure it's going to be great and I'll make great decisions. No, I, I like I got to get in there with God and, and make these purposes. He says he purposed in his heart. Make these decisions now. This is where I am. This is who I am. This is what God has spoken over me. This is what he has told me to do. This is what he's told me not to do. And I'm going to make him a hedge around me, and I'm not going to go outside of that hedge. Right? Because that's what happens when we compromise. It's like, oh, it's just a little bit. Yeah, but you're walking outside of that place that you are with God. Right? God gave Judah over to Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because they had walked outside of that place of where God was and what He had told them to do and how He had told them to live. They had walked outside of that hedge of protection. First Peter 4, 2, it says that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Can we purpose in our hearts to live our days not for the lust of men or for the cravings or whatever it is that, that you could crave, money and attention or, you know, anything, but not to live for those things, the things that are fleshly, that, that the flesh wants, but to live for the will of God. And that's where Daniel was. He says, I will be here, and you could call me that other name, but it's not who I am, but you can call me that other name. But I will not live for your will or for what you want. I will live for the will of God and what He wants. That is faith. See, and, and more and more, we are in need of that kind of faith 
in our world. And I, I don't know if I should, but I guess I will preface this with, it's not getting in fights and being angry at people. It's standing firm in the decision. In, in all of this, he commu communicated with eloquency and wisdom. And asking if he would be able to do something different. And when the guy that was in charge of them said, no, you can't do that because the king has told me to give you this food. He's told me to feed you this way because they want you to be strong and healthy. And, and Daniel says, no, 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 I, I, that's not going to make me strong and healthy because it's going to get me outside of my place and relationship with God. And it's not the place that I should be in. He says, I can't do it. He will cut off my head. He will kill me because this is his command. And Daniel said, right? He didn't yell at him. He, he didn't argue or beat him over the head with his Bible. What he did was said, well, let's do this. How about if you let me for a little while, live on just vegetables. And the guy's like, you crazy. These guys training, learning, doing all this stuff, eating all this meat and all the good food, and you eating vegetables? How do you think you're going to be as healthy? He says, let me just try it. Let me just live how God wants me to live, and you see the result in my life. <laughs> see in Hebrews eleven six 6 it says but without faith without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him who is the rewarder, right? And I think that's sometimes what, like, Daniel could have gotten mixed up. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm here under this king and under this eunuch that's, that's supposed to be teaching me and, and keeping me healthy, and they're my rewarder now. Sometimes that's what we think. Well, I don't know. I mean, now this person, this, you know, maybe it's outside of what God wants, but, you know, my boss wants me to do this this way, and it's not really... Uh, on the up and up, it's not really, whatever, I'm just making these stories up, so if you're going through that, I'm sorry, it wasn't that I knew what was happening, but these are things that we walk through every day, right? And my friend, you know, he's been treating me real good, and, 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 and it's, it's good to have a friend, but now he's wanting me to do things that I shouldn't do. But Am I going to trust him as my rewarder because he's giving me some attention and friendship and what, you know, any of these things? But no, right? What does it say? You have to trust God and believe that he is the rewarder. He's the rewarder of those who seek him. 
That's how you can live on vegetables and be stronger and smarter and much more healthy looking than everybody eating everything else. Because you're trusting in Him and He's rewarding you for your trust. In the Daniel 1.9 it says, Now God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of eunuchs. So we let him do it. You let him, let him kind of test his theory, right? But for Daniel, it wasn't a theory. For the eunuch, I'm sure he's like, he's got some crazy theory. And I guess we'll let him do it because I, he's got good favor with me. Daniel said, let me do something that doesn't seem as good, but will honor God, and I will show you how it's better. At the end of the 10 days, in Daniel 1.15 it says, and at the end of the 10 days their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. They looked better. Not just the same. See? Hmm. When we draw that lion in the sand and we stay where God wants us to stay or don't go past into that place that we're not supposed to go, we won't just be like everybody else. We'll be better. I don't want to just be just as good as the other people that don't know God. I want to be better so that I can show them who God is. So that I can show them how, God, how good God is and that He wants this for them so that they can come to know Him themselves. And that's what we see. I'm not, I can't even get through this, but... I'm not even going to be able to get to the other stories of Daniel, but that is exactly what happens every time. God uses him because he has such faith and trust that God will take care of him and protect him, that he uses him to change the minds, not just of the people, but of the kings. Do you know that you're called to do that too? It's like, yeah, you know, maybe my family, or maybe my friends. No! That God wants to use you to change the mind of princes and kings so that they will follow Him. So that they will come to know Him. Is God... <laughs> I, I don't know what God wants to do. But I know that He wants to use His people. And I know that He will give our land over to the enemy to allow us to come to the place where we, we trust Him more. 
But are we going to see what he's doing? And are we like Daniel? Going to have that line in the sand. Going to have that faith. And beforehand, purpose in our hearts to live how God wants us to live. To do what God wants us to do. To rise up and stand and say, this line I will not cross so that others can see it and see how God moves in our lives, in your life. I mean, there's so many. Uh, I mean, over and over, Daniel, he's like, I'm not going to worship your God. I'm not going to pray to your idol that's made in your image. I'm going to continue to pray to my God openly so that you can see me because I don't care what you may do to me. I care who God is and what he wants from me and what he will do to me, which is get me out of his protection. I don't want to get myself out of that place of protection where he is. And in every circumstance, God shows up because Daniel trusts him and walks with him. And every time the king, and even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, every time the king's like, my God's better. Well, I'm not going to worship your God. Well, we're going to throw you in the fire. Well, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. Well, we're going to cut off your head. You know, whatever. He says, sorry, I'm not going to do it, but let me show you. Like, let me show you who my God is. And every time the king says, there's no other God like Daniel's God. Do, you want, do we want to be used like that? Ha, it's kind of a trick question because we say yes. But have we purposed in our minds to be thrown in the lion's den? Have we purposed in our minds to be thrown in the fire? Instead of worshiping other gods. Instead of having the lust of the flesh run free in our lives. Have we purposed in our minds that God is everything that we need. And as long as we trust Him, we won't just be okay, but we will turn out looking better than everybody else. Now, I don't, I, you know, that sounded weird, kind of conceited. I, that's not what I meant. Looking healthier. Looking healthier mentally, spiritually. Being a person that somebody can say, I need that. I, I want what you have. I, I want to know who you know because I see the life that you're living and I see that you are doing way better than you were before. You're doing way better than anybody else around you. You, you were thrown in the lion's den, and you came out like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> to be a 
who we're supposed to be so the world could see who God is in us. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.